0: I want to invite you, we're actually, I'll invite you to open your Bible to the book of Galatians. We're going to be there a little bit today, um, but we're actually wrapping up our series called God of Our Fathers. And uh, so we're going to actually be in a lot of different places with Scripture, but most often we'll hit back to Galatians. And this is a very abbreviated sermon here this morning, so for those of you who are doing the math and getting worried, don't worry, it's an abbreviated sermon this morning, and uh, we are doing something, we're wrapping up what we said this series called God of Our Fathers, where we've been studying through the book of Genesis, some of the stories about the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and, but here's the great thing about it is this is also the first day of what's called the season of Advent. Advent is a season that it, it literally means the coming, and it's where we take, and it's a tradition that's been going on for about four or 500 years, where Christians pause to reflect on the coming, what it meant that Jesus came to be with us, to be here now. And we actually felt like ending one series on the God of our fathers and launching Advent was actually a perfect blend of the two. Because all of these promises, all of the things that were promised and leading, uh, that were um, given to the patriarchs, to the God of our fathers, was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And it's a continuation of this story. And so we thought today would be a great place to wrap up one story and launch the other one because they're very, very connected. And so we do not believe here that the Old Testament and New Testament are two different stories about God. That there is one collective story of God. And, it be, and you, it's more we understand the old, the more we get what's happening in the new. So we're going to recap this. And I'm going to move very quickly to, uh, to just kind of highlight some things. So through this series, um, we learned that God called one family. He called this family Abraham and all of his sons. He called them, and, and they became what we was later referred to as this chosen nation. But he called them to make them into a people group for a, a few reasons. Now, he called them out, out of the land that they were living to begin a new family. Now, this chosen people wasn't designed to be better than everyone else. They weren't designed to be superior over everyone. It wasn't because God hated everyone else. But God wanted this one family to begin this nation to communicate a few things. And a few things that we learned through this series are this. One, he called this one people. He gives them a promise, gives them promises so that God would demonstrate his character to mankind. He called this people group because through this family, he was demonstrating his character to the rest of mankind. They would be an example for others to see. It it carries on to today with uh, Christians as we are grafted into this family. We'll look at that in a moment. But we are the way through us, through our lives, God communicates his character to the rest of mankind. We see through the story of the God of the fathers in Genesis chapter 12, when he first calls Abraham, God communicates his character that he is the initiator, that he is the one through whom that faith begins. It it didn't begin with Abraham. It wasn't because Abraham had something that no one else had. It's because God, we see that he initiates, he reaches out, and he calls Abraham. So one thing that we learn about God's character is he seeks after us. And he doesn't seek after us because we're good enough to deserve it. He doesn't seek it after us because we have something that he needs to use. He seeks after us because of his goodness and his love. He seeks after you and after me. He might have sought after you by allowing you to be born into a family of people who already had a legacy of faith. God had reached out and initiated to you. It might be that He reached out to you through a coworker, could have been through a, a parent, through a child, through a neighbor, maybe even through watching a TV show or listening to a song on the radio. But God has His way of being an initiator of relationships. He reaches out and and, and meets us where we're at when we're in most need. Sometimes we don't we're not searching. And even some of you might say, well, I was searching for God. Well, He allowed you to somehow found him, find Him through whatever means. It might have even been through your AA group, your NA group, through a difficult time you went through and you met someone who walked with you in that journey. But God initiates, and we learn that through the story. What about His character do we also see? We see that it's His goodness to save. We find that in Genesis chapter 15. When God enacts this covenant Uh, with Abraham, and it's a one-way covenant. It is his goodness poured out on Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, it says that Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. It didn't say that Abraham accomplished a certain amount of, of good things. It didn't say that Abraham made himself good enough. It didn't even say Abraham had strong enough faith. It's he had faith in God and who he was, and that was given to him as righteousness. And so we learn here as God communicates His character to the rest of mankind, He shows us that He's an initiator. He also shows us that it's His goodness that saves us. It's not yours. That's the story from the beginning. It always begins with God, and it's based on His goodness. Again, it is not the strength of your faith that saves you. It is the strength of the person in whom you place your faith. And so we place our faith in God and His goodness to save. And He communicates that through this one family. The other thing that we see is He communicates His faithfulness. In that same chapter, in Genesis chapter 15, He initiates this covenant. And it's, as I said, it's a one way. God says, I promise that I will deliver on my promises to you. I will be faithful, even if you are unfaithful. And as we read the rest of the stories, and and as we've gone through them the last 10 weeks, we've seen that God chose a family that wasn't perfect. I am so glad that they were not perfect. Because if they were perfect, that would be a lot to live up to. But we read this story, and we see that, hey, some of us are a lot further along than they are. And that's good news. But the good news is actually that God remains faithful to His people, even when they are unfaithful. And he communicates that character through these stories. As we read them, we reflect on them, we can ask the question, wow, it seems like God doesn't give up on his people, even when they seem to be going astray, even when they seem to be making stupid decisions, even when they fail to believe in his goodness and his provision and who he is, he remains faithful. So one of the reasons that God calls one family, one people, one nation, is to communicate his character to the rest of mankind. He does that through this family. The other thing that we see here is he, he calls one family so that mankind could demonstrate God's character to one another. So he calls his people and later he actually will give them a law to follow. In Genesis chapter 17, he actually gives them this, this covenant of circumcision. And he says, I want you to do this because it, it identifies you as my family. And now as you interact With the rest of mankind, you are demonstrating my character to them. The way you interact with one another, the way you learn from me, and you become people of justice, you become people of compassion, you become people of love, of mercy, and of grace. You now, as you learn my ways, you demonstrate my ways to the rest of mankind. And now, as people look at us today as Christians, they should see the character of God. The way we, because we are the ones communicating his character. To the rest of mankind, we are his family representatives. This last weekend, it was fun on, on Thanksgiving uh, morning. Uh, Anthony has held its uh, second annual, I think, turkey trot, and it was to raise money for the CRC, which is one of our partners. So uh, m- my wife and I, and one of our kids, we decided to run in it. I did that, I, sure, I assure you, it's because it was to raise money for CRC, not because of my joy of pain. And and so I I had no desire, and I know it's only 5k, those of you who are runners are like, oh that's, you know, that's called warming up. Um, I am not a runner, and there's never a reason to run five kilometers. If someone's chasing me that far, I'm going to give up after four. But anyway, I (laughs) I did it for the people, and and so, but it was fun on Thanksgiving morning to be out there, and another value is, you know, we want to be a church that loves our city, and so just to be there, it was fun to see some of you out there running as well, and people I coach with, and there are some people I play basketball with, and I think 3,000 people got to run in this thing. But um, when we were there, they also had this costume contest, and I I saw like a whole family. They were dressed as the Thanksgiving feast. There was like, the dad was a giant turkey, and and he had like Native um, Americans, and there was pilgrims, and there was, you know, like someone had a turkey on his head, and and so their whole family ran, and as they were running, you could see that when I looked at them, I thought, okay, when you see one of them, you knew that they were part of that family. And it represented each other. And so there's all those costumes. In fact, at one point, I was running, and I realized my family, we weren't dressed up as anything. But I know that for us, I just wanted to represent that um, we at least were not the last place family. That was that's kind of all. And so when we got our scores in, my wife was like reading off where we finished. I'm like, well, what place did you finish? And I don't care how many people are in front of you. I want to know how many people were behind you. That's all. That's all I really wanted to know, because the other ones I assumed were all Olympic athletes, and, and so, and even at one point, I was, run, I was close to the finish line, and there was a guy dressed as an angel in front of me, and, and I literally was doing, like, a sermon illustration, like, it's so funny, I'm going to have a guy dressed like an angel who will, who will beat me in this race, and then, then I got thinking, like, I can't have a guy dressed as an angel beat me, so... <laughs> So I sprinted the last, you know, 50 feet just to finish in front of him because I couldn't come and face you and say someone dressed like an angel beat me. The guy dressed like a banana beat me, but not the angel. (laughs) So, but as I looked out at these, these, these families who were dressed as this whole thing and running, when I would see them scattered throughout the race, I knew that they were together. And when we think of what it means to be the family of God scattered throughout the earth, it should be that as people see our lives, they say, oh, I think they belong to that gathering of people called Christians. I think they belong to that God with whom they're representing, for whom they're representing. And and that's the point of calling a family and saying, learn my ways, represent my ways. The third thing that why he calls one family, we see, uh, he says this in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, it's so that all the families of the earth will be blessed. They can receive the ultimate blessing. And that ultimate blessing is the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. So by calling one family, he called this nation because he needed a nation that he would br- one day ultimately bring the ultimate answer, and that is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It wouldn't have made sense for the Messiah to come out of some unknown place in the desert with no background, no history, just some guru who shows up on the scene. But it had to be a Messiah who was born that was predicted through the prophecies that the, the ancient prophets were pointing to, and we'll talk about in the next several weeks, how the whole world was waiting for an answer, and through this nation that God called, the answer came. It's in Jesus Christ. In Galatians chapter 3, I invite you to, even this week, read through all of Galatians. But Galatians chapter 3 kind of tells a story. But beginning in verse 6, it says this. Even as Abraham believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The Scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, this means the non-Jews, by faith, he preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. In this, Paul is actually describing and explaining this prediction, saying uh, when the promise was given to Abraham that all the families of the earth will be blessed through you, it was actually the the message of the good news. One day, through your faith, through your line, there will be the Messiah that will come and ultimately deliver the answer. It's good news for the Jews and the non-Jews. Not just this chosen family, but anyone who chooses to believe in Jesus. So we find that God calls us one family to communicate his character to them, he communi- to, so we can communicate his character to others, and also to provide the ultimate means of the Messiah, salvation, and re- forgiveness of sins. And all of these, these things were a foreshadow of the answer that came in Jesus Christ. In the season of Advent now, the Advent of Jesus is the fulfillment of all these promises given to the God of our fathers. It was his plan from the beginning. When Jesus came, it was the fulfillment, the continuation of these promises that were given. We don't have time to get into all the promises, but I'm going to just throw them out to you. Some of, some of those promises that were given that are fulfilled in Jesus. And it's one, he's, when he first called Abraham, he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. And now you think, okay, Israel's going to become a great nation. But it went beyond that. He said, I want you to look in the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. Your descendants are going to be beyond number and they're going to fill the earth. Abraham, you're going to be a great spiritual nation, essentially. And in Jesus Christ, he comes and fulfills this. He makes it possible for us to enter in. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 says, In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed, yourself, clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So Jesus allows this promise to be fulfilled in Abraham. That your nation, will, that your people will extend to the ends of the earth. Is there still a Jewish nation today? There is. And as Jesus described, as we are grafted in, To this inheritance. And Paul describes it here. The other promise that was given is that all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. We talked about that, that sin will be removed. When Peter was speaking in the book of Acts, chapter 3, he says this beginning with all the prophets who have spoken, they foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. Verse 26 of Acts 3, he says, When God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you away from your wicked ways or away from your sins. So the promise that all the families of the earth will be blessed again, you see this promise is fulfilled in Jesus. He sends his servant to us to make a way for us to turn from our sins. As we look at these promises here, uh, th- there's another promise. There's, uh, we can't get into all of them. There's a promise of when he talks about, I'll, I'll bless you. Those who curse you, I'll curse. Those who bless you, I'll bless. It's actually an ancient Near Eastern way of saying that I will be your God and I will be faithful to you. I will walk with you. I will not leave you or depart you. Jesus tells us when he comes that he comes and he'll leave the Spirit of God to walk with us, the Holy Spirit. He leaves us a helper who will never leave us or forsake us. And nothing can snatch us out of God's hands. He says that I will, um, when he, he gives this promise to Abraham, he says, I'll provide an eternal inheritance for you. This eternal inheritance is essentially, uh, he was talking about land, and then eternally was talking about an eternal home of heaven, of a place for you to dwell, again, fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So as we look back on the God of the fathers, We're reminded that all of these promises, all of these things that we've been talking about for 10 weeks, were leading up to the Jesus Christ coming. And now as we enter a season of Advent that we're going to launch here this morning, we want to take this season to remember that this is a story from the beginning, that it's because God loves his creation, because God loves his people. Because God loves the people that you interact with every day. Because God loves you and He loves me. He loves your family, even those that have gone astray. He loves your coworkers, even the ones that are very difficult for you to love. <laughs> he loves your neighbors and He cares about them. And He has had a plan from the beginning to say, I am going to make a way to restore relationship with all people. And it came in Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite uh, Paige back up, and we're going to end our time here. As I said, this morning was a very brief recap because we want to launch into a season. When we go into the season of Advent, which is the coming of Jesus, we're going to be talking about what does it mean that he's here now. And we'll actually go a little deeper on some of these promises. But our prayer for you this year is that Advent is not simply a time where we just go through the motions, where we count down how many days we have left to shop and buy some new gifts. It's not just a season where we think, oh, I have to, make, I have to be perfect for everybody. I have to somehow make a, the great experience for everyone. And we try to step in and then be the Savior. But we want the season of Advent when we step back and say, Jesus, what does it mean that you came and you were here now? What does it mean that you are the ultimate answer to all of the longings in my heart and all of the longings in the hearts of my kids and my, my family members, my coworkers. What does that mean? And so we're going to use this time to reflect on his goodness and on his faithfulness to us from all time and launch into a season where we just say, God, what an amazing thing that you came. And what it must have been like as he interacted with these people from the very beginning to where he said, I got to go down there. I have to go and make a way. So we're going we're gonna to end. We have a song here, and we're actually going to light our very first Advent candle in just a moment. as to launch this season of hope and reflection for what it means that Jesus came here. So let's start off by just uh, sing part of a song here and just prepare our hearts. Let me pray. God, we thank you so much again. That during this season, Lord, that you, uh, it's about you coming. And even in the beginning, as you reached out to our forefathers, Lord, it was about you coming. It was about you reaching out and meeting them in the time of their weakness. And so, Lord, we ask that now that you would meet us here in this place. And let this season of Advent be one where we reflect On the great love you must have for us, that you are here now and you walk with us now. And so we give you this time, Lord, in your name.